Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Uh, everyone, please welcome my brand new guest, Anna. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Have you been on any podcasts before? I've been on a podcast once. Cool. What was that about? Uh, it was a friend's Hearthstone podcast. They mm-hmm. uh, had me come on for like one week as like a fill-in because their regular co-hosts couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. It's my first time on a, on a Magic podcast. Oh, cool. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is a this is a podcast that I've been doing so far since the beginning of this year, 2019. I've had pretty much a different guest almost every episode and the big idea behind it was just different people, different magic players, fans of magic being on the podcast and the only stipulation is that they have to be fans of magic. Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I I'm, I'm very honored to be here. Oh, thank you. Um, is there anything you'd like to promote? Any social media, Twitch streams, or anything at all? Uh, I'm on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my handle on all of those is Anna Jane MTG. Uh, that's A N N A Jane MTG. Mm-hmm. And um, I've I'm on like a little bit of a break from streaming just for like my own mental mm-hmm. mental health concerns. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's. That's the word I'm looking for, health. <laughs> yeah. um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to get uh, get myself together. Um, mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot of like competitive magic, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of burnt out by it. Yeah, definitely. That's something that happens with, with players and content creators. Uh, I got a little burnt out recently because I was trying to do way too much content. Like, I do this podcast, which is every Friday about magic. I do every Wednesday a podcast about comic books, my other hobby. And then every Monday, I try to release a video about uh, magic and things. So just a few months ago, I was trying to release something every day. I had like a Nintendo, an original Nintendo po- uh, video series and just way too much stuff. And it's like, you, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta... Uh, watch out for that mental health sometimes because it's just it's fun on the one hand but it's still a lot of work yeah and especially if like you're not getting like you know it doesn't not always it's not always worth your time when you yeah. do stuff like this like mm-hmm. you just don't get enough viewers you don't get enough like mm-hmm. people tuning in so uh you can't really like survive on it so you have to do other things to actually get by and that's kind yeah. of like well, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know, like, what, what, yeah, I'm pretty new to it. So for me, it's like starting off, like, trying to, like, build an audience and getting mm-hmm. um, people to, to, like, you know, watch every time and to, like, subscribe. And that's, like, been super difficult, but mm-hmm. it's been a lot of, like, mental pressure on myself to try to, like, stay focused on it. And it mm-hmm. just kind of caused me to get kind of burnout. And I'm just, I'm struggling a little bit financially, so that's kind of like mm-hmm. where I'm coming from with this. But if you're in a comfortable position, then like I guess it's a little different. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of aspirants who want to reach these high levels of these famous YouTubers and famous podcasters and famous players. And, you know, real talk, the reality is a lot of people don't make it. And as long as you're getting something out of it, if, as long as you're getting more out of it than you're putting in, I, I think I think it's tenable enough times. But if you if people need to take breaks, that's also I totally support that because it is, uh, you know, mental space that you're devoting to a little bit of everything, this fun stuff, real life stuff. And hopefully you've got the the space for it all. Yeah, it's it's hard. 
Mm-hmm. It's definitely hard, but mm-hmm. I love magic, so I just I keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what binds us all together. Mm-hmm. So how long would you say you've been playing any kind of magic, either digital, paper, or any kind? I started in 1995. I was eight mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. I started with fourth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got a fourth edition starter deck. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, played with my cousins and just kept, you know, I would get cards with them or get cards like from my dad and we would, mm-hmm. I would like build decks and just play with them. Mm-hmm. And then um, I kind of kept it up through through school. My cousins kind of stopped playing, but I kept playing through mm-hmm. like grade school, high school. Um, played a lot by myself. Like I had like seven or eight decks and I just like sit on the floor of my room uh-huh. and play my decks against each other (laughs) Mm -hmm. the good old classic magic solitaire yeah right um but i mean it was super fun and it it always kept me engaged and then in high school i actually had some friends who started playing this wwe card game Mm. uh and they got me into it so i started playing that too and there was a local store that was doing sunday tournaments for the for the wwe game and I went to the tournament, and there were people playing Magic at the same time. So the next weekend, I went with my friends, but I played Magic instead. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got started playing like at like events. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds cool. Uh, you yeah. s- you definitely sound like a person after my own heart because I also played back <laughs> in the nineties, nineteen ninety five uh-huh. to nineteen ninety nine, and yeah, fourth edition. That's the one that's like that's my Magic. That's our mm-hmm. Magic, right? Back in the day, white border and beautiful reprint set yeah yeah it was really cool um i was like off and on for a while i've taken breaks i've sold out of my collection twice (laughs) um how many black lotuses did you end up selling zero i never (laughs) had power i I was never that it was never that good at collecting (laughs) um and i mean most recently i've like moved moved a lot of my cards away although i didn't sell everything so like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like going in and out of how many cards you own Hmm. Did you take some time off? Is is that what you said that you took a little time off and and came back to it as well, or did you play continuously since then? Yeah, there were definitely some breaks. Um, the longest break was like from like twenty eleven ish to twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. I just kind of sold everything and said I'm not going to play this game again, and I'm going <laughs> to try to focus on like finding a career. Mm-hmm. And then I fell back into magic, mm-hmm. and I've been like more into it ever since Mm -hmm. i played between 95 and 99 and then i gave it up for a long time even though you know i still had my cards and i still saw that the game was around and i remember seeing artwork for original innistrad and then i was like that's kind of cool but i never got back into it until 2017 so i took a big old gap of time between 99 and 2017 when hour of devastation debuted yeah it's like almost 20 years yeah it's crazy yeah yeah, and I still had my cards, and for some reason I broke them out in early 2017, and I forced some people to play with me, and they grudgingly did, and I'm like, let me play with people that really want to play. So over at the local college, uh, there were various uh, people there that uh, that were playing, and I started to get back into into Magic then, and I had to relearn a bunch of things, like what's a Planeswalker, and where's Mana Burn, and all that stuff. Yeah, a lot of things changed. Where's Banding? Yeah. <laughs> 
that's something I don't miss. <laughs> no, I know I, I, I do kind of miss banning because I'm I'm one of the few people who actually like understood it. Oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, you um, know, I've actually inflicted on these youngsters. Um uh, I have a vintage cube of cards from like nothing powerful at all. It's like, you know, fourth edition, fifth edition, ice age stuff. Uh, fallen empires uh it's a cube full of all that fun stuff from my youth and i have a few banding cards in there and of course that really bewilders people once you kind of know how it works a little bit it's like yeah this is pretty powerful i can redirect damage to one creature or i can i can assign the damage and all of that so it's been fun yeah helm of chatzuk was kind of uh -huh. stupid <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't remember what it does but i remember the artwork and i love it it's the it's the artifact that taps to give a creature banding or something. Oh, okay, them. okay. Yeah, there was another one, I think, maybe Baton of Morale in Ice Age, which also was giving creatures banding, perhaps, or First Strike or yeah, something. Yeah, something mm -hmm. weird. I don't know. Yeah. This was a long time ago. <laughs> yes. Well, this, is, uh, this has been another episode of Nostalgia Magic Chat with VM Campos. <laughs> now, how long have you been playing the latest and greatest version of Magic, Magic Arena? Uh, I have been playing for a little over a year. I signed up for the closed beta, so I could have, I started like, I actually started like pretty early in the closed beta, but mm -hmm. I had a really bad laptop mm -hmm. and it didn't work very well on the computer. So like I played like two games and I was like, I don't want to touch this anymore. <laughs> and then, um, about a little over a year ago, it was around the release of Corset 19. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when I started to actually like play arena on like a regular basis and i had i had bought a new computer because i wanted to stream arena and like mm. you know i bought it about like eight, 18 months ago like it was like last march mm. of 2018 i bought it and i was like yeah i think like streaming this game is going to be really popular and i wanted to buy a computer but i it just took me over a year to actually get the mm. the mental like to like get over my anxiety and actually stream mm-hmm you know, but I had the computer for it, so I was able to start playing in the summer and just kind of played a little casually, not super competitively, mm -hmm. and didn't start streaming until like this year. Mm -hmm. Well, that's cool. I also started some time in the closed beta. I requested my access in around January 2018, and then they gave it to mm -hmm. me in April 2018. So I've been playing nonstop since then. And so we've both been seeing the evolution of the of the software, right? Like more of the polish to it and bells and whistles and just keeping keep iterating and improving the game, right? Yeah, for sure. I don't it's hard for me to like think back to what it was like in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like I don't remember all of the little iterations, but I mean I definitely noticed things are better. Mm-hmm. You know. And even like recently we got, we have like the chess clock now because yeah. of, I remember the thing with Nexus of Fate where yeah. uh, they had a player just like, they played for like two hours because the one person couldn't win the game. They just kept playing Nexus and the other person was like, I'm not going to concede because yeah. our opponent can't win the game. They just, hmm. and, you know, I think this was on stream too. So it was just, yeah. it was absolutely absurd, but they implemented this chess clock now. So hmm. uh, we don't you don't have to worry about that issue. You just run out of time. Mm -hmm, and exactly. lose. Yeah. If you don't have a win condition, you don't deserve to win just because you, you know, brute force someone out. Right. And like, if you do that in a paper tournament, uh, there you're, you're stalling, you yes. know, mm -hmm. it's actually like, like, um, illegal in paper. So yes, exactly. 
I can, I don't quite fully remember all the different iterations, but I can look back to my streams because I started to stream shortly thereafter around April or May and uh, actually don't go back to my early streams because I was really bad. Um, <laughs> and then now I'm a little less bad and, uh, <laughs> but a li having a little bit more fun and I'm getting a couple people that, that keep coming back on a regular basis and hanging out during my streams. I stream on uh, Saturday nights, 11 p.m. Pacific time, and I get a core group of like four or five or six people that come by and hang out. And that's good enough for me at the moment because, you know, just streaming by yourself and you don't have anyone to talk to, It's it does get to you mentally about like, you know, am I really, should I keep doing it? I'm No one's there and am I talking to myself? And if at least one person's hanging out and they're replying once in a while, I'm happy with that. And I'm not a big old streamer or whatever, but... Um, that's one way that I, that I enjoy my hobby. Yeah. I, I, I can like, I can definitely sympathize with that. Cause like, I'm, I used to worry about like, if anybody's watching me or if like, um, I was streaming late at night for a while. And so like 11 PM Eastern mm -hmm. onwards and I mean, it's a similar window to what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd have like. I did have like nobody talking to me and I'm like looking at the chat and like, what's the point? Like, what am mm -hmm. I doing? Who's paying attention? Like, I don't have as much incentive to talk about things because I don't know if anybody's actually there. Mm -hmm. So it's weird. And then I started hiding my uh, viewer count um, because I, it, I noticed it like, like would distract me. It's like if my viewers would go up, I'd be like, Ooh, okay. Yeah. But then nobody's talking. And then I'm like, well, what are they doing? Like, mm -hmm. and it was really, so the weird. So I hid my viewer account. So it's like, if people are there, chatting great if they're not i mean i'm still gonna play but like yeah they might it be just there get lurking. a little yeah it just gets a little disappointing though when like there's nobody to talk to so mm -hmm. yeah you, i can i can totally empathize with that yeah it's like you have to uh, you have to go through this in all angles as in you've got to create the content but you've also got to drum up the business so you've got to be on social mm -hmm. media and twitter or instagram or whatever and uh, definitely kudos to the people that have been able to really do some sort of, you know, business out of it. And there's a lot of us that might be not quite there just yet, but um, I keep every, I keep hearing everyone say that it, just, it takes time and keep, you know, keep doing it. And uh, if you like it, keep doing it. And if you've got a day job, great, you know, that'll, that'll pay the bills. And then you've got this on the side. And if you're, if you're getting something out of it, some form of uh, happiness out of it, then keep doing it. And if not, it's no big deal if you need to try other things, as long as you keep enjoying the game ultimately. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, what would you consider your skill level to be in uh, any form of magic? Uh, I mean, I'd say, I would say advanced um cool been playing for a while i had a pretty successful year last year uh playing tournaments mm -hmm. um i top aided in a star city games invitational oh, last great. june congratulations thank you um i also top aided a star city open that year mm -hmm. and i top aided a uh, gp uh, gp richmond Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. You might have the most uh, credentials of any of my guests so far. <laughs> I've had a variety of guests, people that have started to play three months ago, people that have been mm -hmm. doing it for 20 years, uh, people that play very, very casually, and people that also do tournaments. And, and I think you, you've got some of the highest accolades at the moment. So congrats. Well, thank you. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to uh, keep doing that this year, which mm -hmm. is why I kind of felt really burnt out because... Mm -hmm. While I enjoyed playing, um, it just was so expensive to keep playing these tournaments that mm -hmm. like I just had to stop. And I'm like, 
like built up debt because of it. And that's mm-hmm. just kind of, that's not a healthy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When a hobby gets into those aspects of real life, it is time to reevaluate, maybe take a little break and then see where mm-hmm. things go after that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I haven't been too engaged with the, the tournament scene for the second half of this year. Um, I mostly played star city tournaments mm-hmm. and, uh, I just got enough points to qualify for their invitational this weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas like every other season, like I had it within like the first month. Oh, sure. So, um, it's just been a pretty, sort of pretty embarrassing like results for me this year. So mm-hmm. it's another incentive that's caused me to like step back and reevaluate what I want my, uh, what I want my level of engagement to be and like where I want to focus on. Yeah. When I first played back in the 90s, and, and I'm sure you had a little bit of this experience, I uh, was playing with uh, with my sibling, and uh, we didn't, you know, we had the big old rule book that came in the fourth edition um, starter deck, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure we tried to go through it and try to understand it, but I'm sure we ended up playing like house rules. Um, so back in the day, I was never any sort of, you know, I, I was a beginner, the whole first generation that I played from in the late, in, you know, 95 to 99. And then when I came back in 2017, I was a beginner again, cause I had to learn the new cards and mechanics and new card frames and everything. And then now that I've been back with this play group since 2017, um, they, come to me now to ask me, what does this card do? And how does this interact and such? And I don't quite consider myself an advanced player, perhaps, you know, on your level, but I consider myself advanced enough in my play group. And that's another thing that I was going to ask you, like, do you have some sort of play group? Um, what what sort of like level around there do you feel you're, you are with the play group as well? Um, I mean, I don't really play very, I don't play as much as I used to. Um, like, Maybe a little over a year ago, I was going to like a lot of weekly events at my local stores, but now I haven't really, I haven't played at like a local event in like over a year just because mm-hmm. I focus so much on the travel aspect Yeah, and um, I work in a restaurant. So like I'm usually working at night. So like, it's hard for me to take the time off on both weekends to travel and to during the week to go to weekly events. Mm-hmm. So I honestly just like, sit at home and play arena mm-hmm. <laughs> and the and i guess what i would consider my play group is a bunch of tournament grinders and like <laughs> i understand that like results aren't everything but there is part of me that feels like i don't have as much there's part of me that feels like i'm not as good mm-hmm. as a lot of them because i don't have the results and i don't have the, like the commitment to content that that a lot of them do. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like imposterism that comes in mm-hmm. uh, when I think about the people that I most frequently play with, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to like sit down and think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think a lot of people have that in, in, imposter syndrome. I I see big names on the Twitter verse also kind of grapple with that, and everyone at different levels, I think. Um, I think we just, I don't know, maybe it's just the culture that a lot of us don't feel like, well, uh, why do I really deserve it? Why am I here and such? But I think, you know, um, like you said, results aren't everything, but some results do speak for themselves. You know, you just told me three top eights and, you know, that to me, that that's, that's amazing. Um, so I think we sometimes sell ourselves short, even though I think we do good things in, in the totality of it. Definitely. I mean, I guess I, when I, when I look back at like my tournaments, I feel like I am 
like nobody wins more than like 70% of like the best players in the world win about like 68 to 70% of their mm-hmm. games. Like that's not, that's far from being like having a perfect record. Right. Yeah. But there's a lot of aspects to like high, higher level play of like deck selection and um, like sideboarding and whatnot. And like picking, just picking the right deck for the, for the tournament. And that's, that's a lot of stuff that like, isn't really obvious. Mm-hmm. So it like that kind of stuff can really like affect, you know, your like win loss record. If yeah. you know, and if you're like looking at how many times that you like want to match, like what your win percentage is. I know my average win percentage over like the past few years is definitely like, you know, above fifty percent. But it's mm-hmm. not, it's not enough. You know, I haven't got like the streaks you need to win in a tournament. It's like, yeah, if I'm if I'm averaging like over fifty percent in like most, you know, in like most tournaments, but like. I'm never having like the tournament, you know, to where you win, you know, you win 90% of your matches and then like you win the tournament or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not, you know, it's always like a steady thing and not having that like big spike. If that's Mm -hmm. what, if that's what makes sense. Like, I mean, people say you like you spike a tournament and that's Mm kind of what happens. You, you just, your win rate spikes up over that short time period and then you end up winning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And with like, like you said about being able to still play a lot of arena, that's a great proving ground to try decks, uh, to try strategy, to check out the meta before you go out to these tournaments. So do you have any maybe single card or two that you're enjoying on arena at the moment? Uh, Definitely fires of invention. Hmm. That card is absurdly powerful. Um, I've been playing a lot of like the, the Jeskai Planeswalker deck with uh, that has fires um, has Fey of Wishes too. So you have mm-hmm. the you have a lot of like versatility in what you can do, and you can play cards that are off color uh, if you ha- in your wish board with fires because you don't have to spend you don't have to pay any mana for it. So mm-hmm. you can play your Jeskai deck and then like have casualties of war in your sideboard. So if your opponent has like four or five different kinds of permanents that you have to destroy, you wish for casualties of war and just blow them all up (laughs) Mm -hmm. i definitely marveled when i saw my first opponent use the fires of invention Uh, it might have been at the where did i see that well it had to have been at the uh, early access streamer event uh quick Mm -hmm. aside we were we were both at the early access streamer event thank you wizards of the coast for for uh giving us the opportunity to be in that yeah yeah, it was really exciting. It was my first time, but I'm I'm really excited to come back again in the mm-hmm. future. How did you like it in general? Did you like develop any new uh, meta strategy strategies? No, I just kind of I like I was I was on a I did like this uh, discussion with a couple uh, people on Yo Man stream about uh, the cards and they were spoiled. Mm-hmm. So we had we talked a lot about like what kind of decks would be possible and. I kind of just went off of that mm-hmm. and uh, Jerry Thompson had posted a bunch of lists on his arena deck lists podcast in their are on his discord. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like picked up those lists. Cause I didn't really, I don't know. Every time I try to like brew a list, I just feel like somebody's out there doing the same thing better than me. So I just mm-hmm. go and look on the internet. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
That's definitely a way to uh, start a foundation, look at what's mm -hmm. working and then maybe customize it a little yourself or just like get good at the deck and, and really pilot it like that fires of invention. Uh, what I was saying was that uh, when the first person used it against me, like, okay, what's what's coming together? Uh, they're putting a lot of lands out, multicolored lands. They're not doing too much. What's going on? And then they did the Fires of Invention, and then they were able to cast Niv-Mizzet Reborn. And then, okay, now I see what they're doing. They're just going to go off and cast so yeah. many free things. And it's like, hats off to them. Yeah, I actually played against... I, I played... Yeah, I played at... SCG Philly was this was uh, this past weekend, mm -hmm. and um, I played I played modern in both the team event. Uh, we didn't make day two, so I played the modern classic. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to shout out to uh, another card in standard that I really like, although mm -hmm. I haven't played it too much in standard. Uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist. Oh sure. Um, I was playing that in my in my modern deck. It was a Mardu Stoneblade, so mm -hmm. that card is really good. And similar to like in the th how the feather deck in standard, uh, you would you know put a pump speller on mm -hmm. your general arcanist or use Dahmer's ambush, but counters on it. Uh, in uh, the modern deck, you put like sort of fire and ice on it. You put like some mm -hmm. really powerful equipment on it, and then it pumps the power, and then you can flash back your more expensive spells with that. Mm -hmm. And that was really that was definitely really powerful. And that's a card that I just general arcanist has reached back to like. Uh, legacy and vintage yeah. and like the cards really powerful so that's the other card that i was like that's one of my favorite cards too but not so much for its usage in standard mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh isn't it fascinating where like there's a format like legacy or, or modern but definitely more in legacy where kind of things are locked in for so long and then a new card comes out in standard and people find a way to put it in their legacy decks and uh really kind of shake things up yeah i I lost more matches this weekend to Oko in Modern than I did to like any other specific card. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Oko is no Joko. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I was even on Twitter today and somebody posted a picture of someone had uh, cast Swords of Plowshares on a Chalice of the Void because they had first animated it with Oko. <laughs> yes. We're seeing a, a new generation of magic where everything turns into an elk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah it's funny during that early access streamer event i was trying to well when i when i make decks i try to put a lot of stipulations which is like fun for me but then when you're not playing against other people that are following those stipulations it's like a pretty fast game and which i don't win so <laughs> the stipulation <Yeah. laughs> the stipulation is i was doing El uh, eldraine only cards and so I did manage to do a few uh, uh, direct challenge games uh, with people that were doing Eldrin only, and that's what I've liked to do so far on these on these early access events. I've this was my third one. I was invited over to the War of the Spark, the Corsa twenty twenty, and Throne of Eldrin. So hopefully I come back for the next one too. But that's what I like to do, just like um, you know, block like a block constructed like they had back in the day, like you know, uh, only Mirage block and that sort of thing. So that's kind of what I like, but not everyone does it. And um, when I did find other people that were also into it that way, I thought I had a lot of fun just because to really showcase the cards and really try things with such stipulations. Yeah, that seems that seems really interesting, although it's something that like I don't anticipate I'd really mm -hmm. enjoy if there wasn't like something on the line. Sure. 
Like I, I really, I enjoyed playing the Corset 2020 event on Arena, mm-hmm. um, which was basically it was new standard, but so like the uh, Ixalan, Dominaria, mm-hmm. Core 19 had all rotated out, and it was just the Ravnica sets and the Core 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like a big block constructed format. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like I enjoyed playing that, but I played it because like. You know, I wanted to get the experience so I could get the uh, Chandra sleeves. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I don't know if I would have played it if there wasn't like an actual reason for me to like get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm very like, com- I'm very like competitive and like uh, rewards focused. So like, yeah. I want to like win a lot and I want to like win something. Yes. Oh, that's perfectly understandable. But remember, there was always the honor on the line. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although if I'm just playing by myself, I don't know how much honor you actually have. <laughs> yes. Hey everyone, we're about halfway through the episode. So it's time for a short commercial break. Have you hung out with me during my streams yet? I stream every Saturday at 11 p.m. Pacific time over at Twitch and YouTube. Come hang out. Search for VM Campos on YouTube or Twitch, and I'll be there every Saturday at 11 p.m. I'm streaming Magic Arena, hanging out with people, chatting, strategizing, that's not a word, cracking packs, and sometimes giving stuff away. It's a good old time. Come hang out, youtube.com slash vmcamposjr or twitch.tv slash vmcampos streaming every Saturday at 11 p.m. Pacific time. See you then. Now back to the show. So are there any uh, any decks that you're enjoying currently that are running around in uh, Magic Arena? Uh, the Fire stack for sure. Um, the Esper Stacks deck is super cool. The one... Um, the uh, it's the dance of the it's a dance of the man stack. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I love that they call it stacks, and it wasn't <laughs> until like I started playing with it that I realized like why. Because yeah. um, like that's kind of what the card Doom Foretold does. Um, if any uh, old timers remember playing with Smokestack, um, that card was where the stacks name came from, and like it just basically forces everybody to sacrifice permanents during uh, their upkeep and just re- like resulted in like a very like resource light game and i guess over time those decks have like been more like just about denying your opponent resources and that's kind of like what these games boiled down to like i was you know you have like doom foretold and like, make your opponent sacrifice everything then they can't play things because they're just going to sacrifice mm-hmm. it so they have to wait and then they play so like they wait a turn and then the enchantment goes away you get your creature they have to discard a card and then mm-hmm. you'd like bring it back from the graveyard. And then the same thing happens again. And yeah. it just rinse and repeat. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I enjoy doing those things, which is kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like kind of a griefer thing to sure. be honest, but mm-hmm. um, it does present like, it, it, it presents an interesting puzzle on my end of like, how do you, how do you like, lock your opponent out of the game and then like slowly win yes well i can understand a little bit of that as well because 
uh, I had this amazing uh, griefer moment where I was the one griefing my opponents. This was in real life, and I was playing a uh, four-player game, just totally casual with the with the playgroup. And I was playing a, a Demir deck. And I, when I play Demir, I like to mess with people, so some milling or hand disruption. So here's my amazing, uh, my my first amazing three turns. It was like, as long as I was able to do this, you can all kill me. Because here's what happened: turn one, <laughs> I put I play a swamp. Okay, then I play Vicious Rumors. So everyone, opponents, yeah. discard a card, uh, mill a card, lose a life, I gain a life. Okay, came back to me again, play my second swamp. This time I play a Burglar Rat. Okay, so the Burglar Rat eats one card from everyone. Okay, then the third turn, drop a, um, an island, and then I play Disinformation Campaign. So everyone discards a card, and I draw a card <laughs> off of that. So after that, I was public enemy number one, but I had accomplished what I needed to do perfectly. Turns one, two, three. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's something like... I've, I've always enjoyed that 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 sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, but I totally get how in a multiplayer environment you would <laughs> not you would make enemies rather quickly. Yes, but uh, don't tell my playgroup. Hopefully, they don't listen to this episode. I also love to just do politics and really mess mm-hmm. with people about like if you don't attack me. You know, I, I, I bluff maybe and I say, I have a card in my hand. I'll destroy your creature. So instead, attack my opponent over here. And then they mm-hmm. often fall for it. So I don't know <laughs> if I have really good powers of persuasion or just because I'm like the, you know, the gray beard of the group or whatever. I don't know. I'm just like, uh, I seem to get things to go my way, even though it's not in their best interest. So I think mm-hmm. I should run for office, maybe. I don't know. I, I did have a, I had a moment. This maybe this isn't like, this isn't like politics so much, but it's just like, maybe just like talking and like and it's similar in the same vein but my opponent uh this weekend they um i was at five life and my opponent had a walking ballista and they cast mm-hmm. it for x equals five mm. and i was like oh you're gonna kill five of my tokens and they're like well yeah and they they sacrificed the walking ballista or they they took all the counters but one and killed four of my tokens instead of killing me yeah nice <laughs> Yeah, so I'd like that was a little bit of mind games, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly that that's that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yes. Except you're doing like it between like two other people and my was just like, yes. "Hey, you know, you're going to kill my tokens." <laughs> yes, exactly. That's nice. Yeah. Hats off yeah. on that. That was similar to was it LSV who was about to reach for his token or something and then the opponent <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, that was insane. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not just what's in the cards, but it's like what's mm-hmm. what's happening besides that. Uh, there's just so many aspects of magic that just make it so much fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've just talked about a few cool, fun, weird moments. Uh, do any more come to mind? Anything that's happened on Arena, perhaps, that has stood out as a weird moment, fun moment, cool moment? Um, I've had plenty of them, but I do not remember anything. <laughs> like... I'll usually take like a screenshot and put it on Twitter or um, if I'm streaming, I'll be like, somebody clip that. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head that mm-hmm. happened more than like more than a week ago. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. You know, I ask my, uh, my guests that question and then I'm thinking, mm-hmm. trying to think back myself, do I have anything to say? And uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of at the same point at the moment. I, I know I've had some fun, cool moments, but unless I streamed it and replay it, I don't quite remember what it was. And I think my recall is even shorter than yours. If it didn't happen like two days ago, I don't remember it. 
Right. Um, the one thing that did stick out to me, though, when, when I thought about this was um, I was playing the Esper, Esper Stacks deck, right? Mm-hmm. And I was playing against, uh, I think it was Grixis. And we were in game two. I won game one. My opponent on turn three um, cast Unmoored Ego mm-hmm. for my Dance of the Mance. Mm-hmm. And I had one in my hand, and I had boarded the other two out because I felt that... Um, I kind of anticipated like unmoored ego happening and I wanted to bring in like a couple, like, like an alternate win condition and just kind of not rely so much on that. Mm-hmm. And so they took the one out of my hand. That was the only one of my deck, but they got to see my whole deck. So on turn four, they play unmoored ego and they take my Lockmere serpent. Mm-hmm. Cause that was like my like other big win condition. Um, and then turn five, they cast the third unmoored ego <laughs> and they take my oath of Kaya's. Mm. So I'm sure they're like thinking, hey, I'm just our opponent can't win the game. They don't have any any cards that like kill us. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, the the dance was like the combo piece. The oath of Kaya, you can like bounce it to fairy, and that's a way that you can uh lock your opponent out. Even if you don't have the dance, you can kill them with that. Mm-hmm. Um so what I ended up doing was like, you know, while they're spending three turns casting unmoored egos, I'm just casting eggs and casting doom foretold mm-hmm. and like doing my thing anyway. And then I mean, like maybe a turn or two later, they play like a planeswalker or something. And I cast murder. Uh, and like I cast swift end on it, mm-hmm. which is the, 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 the adventure of murderous rider. Mm-hmm. And then I drop the murderous rider. And I'm just attacking my opponent with murderous rider for like 10 turns. <laughs> and then eventually like I speed up the clock by having some dune foretold tokens. So I just killed them with like my, my two, three and two twos yeah. while they took all of like the other quote unquote win conditions out of my deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice. So that was that was something that I thought was actually kind of funny, and I I just I think people, you know, try to do the unwear ego thing too much. Mm-hmm. It's just something like doesn't really work. It's good in like very specific situations, but in this sort of situation, it just wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. It, but they had three of them, and it just kind of like was very bad. <laughs> yeah, I bet they felt well. It's in the it's in my hand. I've got to use it. So uh, <laughs> or I've got to get there. Uh, win conditions after they saw through your whole deck. But yeah, um, you know, as long as they get down to zero, you win. And so with two twos Mm -hmm. doing it then, or two threes, then you get there. Yep. So if you are certifiably an advanced player, uh, (laughs) what would you uh, give some advice uh, to newer players that are just starting off in Magic Arena? Uh, Have fun. Just don't. Mm -hmm. Don't try too hard. Just like have fun, play a bunch of decks, uh, figure out what works for you. Um, it's totally fine if you're if you're new to arena, like um, to play like a lot of the precons. Like mm-hmm. some of them are pretty bad, but I remember when I started playing, I didn't want to put the money in right away, so I was playing a lot of um, I was playing a lot of like the Demir Pirate precon because mm-hmm. I think that had like enough. It had like enough like counterplay with like some of the. The, the creatures where it it was actually kind of fun even though i'm used to playing like super like high powered like competitive decks mm-hmm. um so i mean i'm just say if you're new have fun figure out what you like and then like figure out where to go from there if mm-hmm. that makes sense like not everybody likes to play every color if you know you might not like to play blue you might not like to play white or something so like if you play it and you find out like i, I don't like this color then like you kind of have a direction on where to go to because the one thing that like magic is so big and broad that it's easy to get stuck 
hmm. and easy to be like. There's so many things to like, so many things to try, and so many different combinations of cards. So, well, that's a paralysis from choice. You know, you have yeah. so many cards to work with. If you're dealing with standard, you know, it's only thirteen hundred or fifteen hundred, whatever. But then when you're dealing with modern, <laughs> you've got. Uh, thousands more and then then if you go all the way back mm -hmm. to legacy then what is that twenty thousand? so um starting with a pre-con I, I i do definitely agree on that uh there's uh they they work well enough that you start to figure out i like you know green stompy or i like you know red damage or i like blue so i like taking away my opponent's fun <laughs> yeah fun is zero sum sometimes <laughs> Sometimes some people say it is all the time. I, I sometimes it's it's fun to lose. It depends <laughs> on what's happening. Yeah, like uh, when I was saying earlier about that multiplayer game, I got to do what my deck would aspire to do to really mess with my opponents. And after that, I didn't win, but I got to do the fun part, and that was enough fun and enough of a win for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I there was something I wanted to mention earlier. Mm -hmm. I was talking about the the modern tournament this weekend. Um, that was like. Uh, talking about like Dreadhorde Arcanist and like Oko and whatnot. Um, but what made me think of that was you mentioned the Niv Mizzet Reborn Fires of Invention deck. Mm -hmm. And in this tournament, I was playing, I, I drew round one because it was a super grindy mid range mirror. So I drew round one. So I was playing in the draw bracket with all of like the slower decks. And there was a point where I was playing against a five color Niv Mizzet Reborn deck. Mm -hmm. And then the the two tables to my right also had five color to visit reborn decks <laughs> in modern. <laughs> and I, so I ended up, we, we, we played the match. We got to the third game. We got to the end of five turns and we were going to draw. Um, I already had the draw and I had a better record than my opponent. So they just, they just conceded to me, <laughs> but um, I just, that was the most fun I've had playing magic in, in a while. I was mm -hmm. playing against the Niv Mizzet deck mm -hmm. <laughs> in paper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the funny thing that if we are playing a lot of uh, arena versus paper, the the client helps you with all of these triggers and reminders and flashy arrows to do all of this stuff. But then when you're back on paper, you've got to remember to do it all yourself and flipping mm -hmm. all those cards over and and confirming their color their color pairs and all of that with that Niv Mizzet deck. That's uh, do you think we're getting spoiled by having such a flashy client that does things for us? I think so. Mm -hmm. It does. It does have a kind of like some weird things. Cause then like with an visit, like you put the cards that you don't pick on the bottom of your library randomly. So like to fulfill the random thing, like your opponent has to like shuffle them and be like, all right, I randomize the cards. Do you want to cut the stack of six cards? Like, <laughs> and then put them on the bottom yeah. just so you don't know what the, the exact order of the bottom six cards are. Mm -hmm. um, but because of arena that has, you know, you can actually like look back in your library and see, okay, well, I know what these six, what these cards are. So if you knew, if you, you put them back in any order, uh, for one thing, it's a lot more clicks, but it also gives you a lot of like actual information. You can like look at your deck and kind of like, you'd have like the bottom few cards of your deck uh, stacked. And that's could, you know, be like a, a, like unreasonable strategic thing, like if the game went super long. So there's like a practical reason for that too, mm -hmm. which I think is interesting to think about. Well, what we don't have in real life, however, is a fun little animal avatar cheering us on. Oh, of course not. You can't bring your cat to the tournament. Especially if it's on fire. I wish. <laughs> 
My cat just actually wandered into the room and decided to play with the pencil on the floor for some reason. Uh, I don't know if that picked up on the camera, but yeah, we can't bring our pets to the tournaments, uh, so we'll have the next best thing on Arena. Uh, which of the two? Uh, I don't have any at the moment, but when I was playing the early Axis event, I had the, the little Fay Fox one, and then last time I had the Ember Cat. Uh, which of those two maybe do you, do you like a little bit more? I am a huge cat person, so I, I love that we had a cat, <laughs> but the fox is just so cute. Yeah. And yeah. it's new, so I, I, I wanted to play with the fox, so I have the fox right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. I, I, I'm a cat person, and um, I thought the, the little ember cat was cute, especially when it got wings and stuff. And you mm -hmm. could change its color, but I also tried out the the fox. They, they kind of gave it more of the of a funny personality with his little tongue wagging and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's super. Like all of the the all of the art for Eldrin is amazing, and like the entire feel, like the the entire aesthetic feel of the set is fantastic. And that's another reason why I kind of like like the fox mm -hmm. for my for my avatar. Yeah. Well, if you can narrow it down to one thing. Could you say something that perhaps could be improved about Magic, the game, the software, the company, the community? Any any thoughts on improvements? Uh, the, I mean, the big thing that seems to be a barrier is um, price accessibility and paper. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that there's a fix for it, honestly, mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't uh, kill some part of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's something that I think definitely gatekeeps a lot, mm -hmm. whether it is like if you want to play a certain format or like you want to switch decks or whatever. Like that's something that's cool about Arena is all of the cards are the same. All of them are the same number of wild cards. Yeah. So as long as you I mean, you still have to like pay money to get gems to buy the cards if you need like if you want to play a lot of different decks. But it's always the same. It's always like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna spend fifty dollars on gems and like buy packs and get wild cards, and then I can build X number of decks. And like, as you keep playing, like you, you get more gems or whatever through the mastery tree, and and end up with like, you know, each set you only have to spend a certain number of a certain amount of money. Whereas like mm -hmm. in Magic, um, you know, you're you're this point where like Teferi was like sixty dollars yeah. standard. Mm -hmm. And so you're, some people are just priced out of playing that that standard deck because they can't afford the cards. Yeah, that's definitely a big barrier there. And again, it's a hard way to to deal with it because it's it's alternatively a trading card game and a collectible card game. And depending how you're playing, if you're going casual, okay, well, you can have substitutions and that sort of thing. But if you want to aspire a little higher, then you could definitely get priced out. Uh, there was a, a player at the club recently that uh, everyone chipped in a little bit to give him a few cards to build his first commander deck, uh, and I thought that was really nice. So definitely price price controls, or I don't know, however price can be dealt with, perhaps is um, is something that uh, we can address. Yeah, I I'm honestly not sure how it, like what you would do that wouldn't kill some facet of the game, mm -hmm. which is which is hard, like. It just feels like a like just like a tough pill that we have to swallow, but in some like magical world where this didn't happen, I think that would be great. Mm -hmm. Conversely, is there something that you can say that you really love about magic? I love the community. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
I've been in and out of the game, and uh, that's something that, like, it was good to take a break and stop playing Magic for a while and then come back, but uh, getting really involved in the community has, like, honestly changed my life. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I can ever leave that. I don't think I can ever just go away and, like, disappear from the Magic community. I think, um, I think there's a lot of, like, positive things going on. Um, there are a lot of like there's a lot of diversity mm-hmm. um not as much as like i'd like but mm-hmm. you know there are, there's definitely a like diverse crowd of people um even though like the majority of players are white males but like there's still there's like pockets of people and mm-hmm. i think getting that sort of like get getting like the right representation is really cool because then it brings out other people and it mm-hmm. brings out like you know just interacting with different people and that's very good. Yeah, I totally agree. Definitely the the way that you get more of a player base or a fan base is to be in is to be welcoming and inviting. And if you have people that look like you, that look like me in the cards themselves, that's that's a great way to have people relate to the game and want to play the game and, you know, Throne of Eldraine, you know, classic Grimm's fairy tales come from Europe and 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 there's that um, there's that aesthetic originally, but here we're seeing, for example, uh, you know, Queen Lind. I'm blanking on her name. What's her name again? Um, the Queen. I don't know. What is her name? My uh, my point would have come out a lot better if I had remembered her name. But anyway, <laughs> the um, the Queen. That's uh, you know, Rowan and and Will's uh, stepmother, I guess. Um, you know, she's dark skinned and she's in. Uh, or in this setting that you would classically think about just being, you know, Caucasian and that sort of thing. And so it's really great that they're able to be diverse and and say there's something for everyone in this game. Come join us because more people playing more magic, I think, is more good. Bad grammar, uh, you know, aside. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But yeah, um, yeah, like just the 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 community has been amazing and i just i i like being active in the community because i feel like i can i can you know it's helped me so much that i feel like being active can i can help other people in part mm-hmm. well we can both agree that uh, magic is the greatest uh, game of all the greatest hobby and i guess there's other ones out there that exist so are there any other hobbies that you're also into um, I love playing board games. Uh, I don't play as much as I'd like. Um, a lot of it has to do with uh, location, uh, from traveling a lot. I've had met a lot of friends that are far away and don't really have many that are close. Mm-hmm. So um, I've kind of I, I don't play as, as many board games as I like, but I do love board games. Um, mm-hmm. I usually go to uh, PAX every year. Mm-hmm. And PAX Unplugged is coming up, which is an all-tabletop PAX, so I'm really excited for that. Mm-hmm. And it usually falls on the same day as a Magic Tournament, so I'm usually going to the Magic Tournament instead. Mm-hmm. But um, this year, it doesn't. Well, it falls in the same. It falls on the same day as Magic, as the last Mythic Championship. Mm-hmm. So there's like zero chance of going to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I'm definitely going to go to PAX Unplugged, mm-hmm. and. I'm super excited about it. Uh, the other thing that I've uh, really been getting into lately is uh, wrestling. Mm. Uh, it's not so much of like a hobby per se, but it's like something that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I've I used to watch it like as a teenager in high school and stopped watching it for like 15 years. But uh, like right at the beginning of the year, I started watching it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of like there's some like interesting things happening, and there's like a new. You know, I was watching WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the most mainstream product, the easiest, easiest, the most easily accessible wrestling thing. But the AEW, um, uh, they just started showing on cable mm-hmm. last week, and I watched that. And it's the first time like WWE's had con- has like competition on cable in like mm-hmm. almost twenty years. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. They just had a pay per view last night, so. I got home from the tournament. I watched the pay-per-view and then I tried to jam in the, uh, the, the, the play any deck thing on arena. <laughs> yeah. So I got like no sleep, <laughs> um, but I wanted to watch the pay-per-view. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the pay-per-view had like a really bad ending oh. and you know, AEW just started up. So people at the end of the, the show were, sh- were shouting, like the crowd was chanting, was chanting AEW. Oh, wow. So there's this interesting, like, new uh, upstart company yes. competing with them, and that's cool. And then um, there's one other thing I wanted to mention about it, and I can't think about it. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. Your uh, memory got pile-drived? <laughs> sure did. <laughs> I've got to connect you with former guest on the podcast, uh, Cresta Star. She's also very much into wrestling, and she does these live streams where she does reactions and like commentary and such. And I'll send you her link. Uh, you might uh, like her stream and maybe even do some sort of collab or something because uh, you both sound very passionate about wrestling, and it'd be cool to maybe uh, know about each other. Yeah, that, that that seems cool. Oh, I I do remember what the other thing was. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's uh one of the wrestlers on in um, AEW is Maxwell Jacob Friedman or MJF. Mm-hmm. And I never heard of him before this, but I saw on Twitter uh he was he was going after somebody because they played Dungeons and Dragons. Hmm. So he was you know, I didn't really know why. And like you know, they like that stuff is like frowned upon in, you know, that wouldn't go well in, in the magic community. Like, Hey, you know, we hate people who play D and D you're a nerd mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it got, it got pretty, like it kind of went viral and a couple people in magic were like, this guy's, what is this guy's problem? Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like turned off by it. But then when I started to, you know, someone else is like, well, you know, he's, he's a big heel in, in yeah. eight and his, and his opponent on the, on the debut S on the debut episode of, of AW dynamite was a, was a big D and D player. Hmm. So, you know, he's, he's just extending the character into, uh, into Twitter. And like, it's getting a lot of like visceral reactions from people. And, you know, it made me invested in the match. Whereas like, I wouldn't have cared who this person was. Otherwise, like I wanted to watch AEW because I used to watch, I used to watch Chris Jericho and Mm. he's their champion right now. And like, I hadn't seen him in 15 years. So, um, I was invested in this new character because they were a heel that was hating on Dungeons and Dragons. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It's definitely like 
after so many generations of various versions of wrestling, here is a a wrestler that's being a heel for this sort of niche thing that would have not been a reason to be a heel 10, 15, 20 years ago. So that's kind of really savvy, like you said, that he was extending Uh that persona outside of the ring to social media. You had a reaction to it and you wanted to go see the match. So um, I think, you know, uh, what was it? Um, MJF? Um, I think he, um, I think he's, he kind of knows what he's doing and kudos to that. Exactly. Yeah. And it was great. And then you had the, you had the commentators on, on during the match were like making jokes about like D (laughs) twenties. And I was like, and I I was loving it, you know, Mm -hmm. that's cool. That That was cool. Yeah, you'd be the uh, you'd be another uh, a person who who also mentions sports as a non magic hobby. A lot of people choose other related things, you know, video games and comics and stuff. But um, I, I I don't have a lot of people picking sports, so it's really interesting when when people do pick a very you know physical hobby uh, versus also the the more mental hobby of, of magic. So that's cool that you have those two aspects that you yeah, enjoy. I mean, I don't. I don't like perform it. So it's just like an entertainment thing, but it's something that I definitely enjoy watching. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I guess people don't really play football much either, but <laughs> I mean, I guess, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where I was going with that. Well, just, just that people <laughs> like what they like. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we wind down, any final thoughts on anything going on in Magic Arena? How far did you get in the, in the win every card event? Did you go all uh, 12 and zero? I went all two and two. Oh, same here. So <laughs> there's hope for me as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Playing when you're tired isn't great either. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, would you like to promote again any uh, social media stream, streaming schedules or anything like that? I'll put the notes. I'll put it in all in the notes, but uh, let us know as well. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Anna Jane MTG. I'm also on Instagram uh, at Anna Jane MTG. Uh, I'm on Twitch at Anna Jane MTG. It's all the same. Um, I don't have like a regular schedule right now. I'm still trying to figure out uh, when I want to stream, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll be resuming that shortly. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I don't think there's anything else that I really have to promote. Oh, no worries. Uh, if you do find anything, just put it there in the Discord, and and I'll put it in the show notes as well. Okay. Thank you. So I, uh, I'm i on Twitter. People can follow me on Twitter. I, so I usually, on Twitter, try to post something every, time, every day at 1 o'clock. I do my one photo at 1 o'clock, so that ranges from pictures of my cat or maybe even pictures of my cat. And um, <laughs> besides that, I do magic stuff and post uh, vintage magic photos and comics and all that. So I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash vmcampos. I stream every Saturday, 11 p.m. Pacific time. I simul stream at YouTube and uh, Twitch. So you can search vmcampos there and catch me then. Um, I have a Patreon. People can visit patreon.com slash vmcampos and they can just follow, follow for free and keep up to date with all the stuff that I do because I do also you know, pre-made videos over on uh, YouTube about comic books or technology or snacks or whatever I, I feel like. 
so you, people can just follow there for free. Or if they go to the $1 range, they get access to uh, exclusive stuff. And if people go to the $2 pledge, I'll actually mail them vintage magic cards, but no, not a Black Lotus. <laughs> and um, I've also got vmcompost.com, although I should update it more than once in a while. So those, that's where people can find me. Okay, great. Yeah, I just followed you on Twitter. I wasn't following you before. Oh, thank you so much. I'll You're reciprocate welcome. that in just a moment. <laughs> Sweet. Well, Anna, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I hope to have you again because usually I have someone as their like intro episode and then a little bit down the line, I like having them back to talk a little bit more cards and strategy and such. Awesome. Yeah, I would, I would love to be back. This was fun. Thank you. This has been VM Campos and I'll see you in the arena.